Hello, and welcome to the Box in One podcast, a podcast discussing sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. My name is John Richards, and I'm your co-host today, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chris Lassiter and Jeremy Hartman. Join us today on episode three as we hand out the Box in One NBA awards as we discuss Obama's White House Correspondents Dinner, and we talk about all things NBA playoffs. So let's hop right in as we join the team for episode three. Hello, 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 and welcome back to episode three of the Boxing One podcast. Wow, we're three episodes in, guys. We're getting it oh. in, man. That's what's up. That's what's up. So we're going to start this podcast off right. Well, at least according to Jay Hart. I wanted to go somewhere else, but we have to talk about this first because apparently it's important to some people. And we're talking about <laughs> the Los Angeles Lakers hiring Luke Walton to be their head coach. Apparently that was big news out there. So I just want to touch bases with my co-hosts, Jay Lass and Jay Hart. Oh, Jay Lass. C. Lass and Jay Hart. And... Just get your thoughts on it, man. What do you think about this hire? I know you talked about this last time, Jay Hart. So go ahead and boast. Uh, you know, but make sure I, you boast in Christ. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm personally excited because I think Luke Walton is the right person for this young team. Um, they got a bunch of young guys. Um, whether or not he can bring free agents to L.A., that remains to be seen. But as far as developing the young guys and trying to get their cohesiveness, I think he speaks to them. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I hope he didn't come in and try to run the triangle because that's a no-go. Um, they're not going to be able to run that with who they have. But I hope he comes in, puts in some of the same stuff that they run at Golden State as far as ball movement and spacing and getting out in transition and shooting threes. So. Um, I like the hire. We'll see at the end of next year about this time if if um, it paid off for him. I want to I want to call Luke Walton up, okay, personally, and say, Luke, listen, Steph Curry is not walking through that door. Clay Thompson is not walking through that door. Guess what? You're gonna have a bunch of bums next year. And your team is probably going to win 20 games. You're going to be what we call the scapegoat. And if y'all want to go biblical, the scapegoat is the goat that's going to get sacrificed, sir. So um, <laughs> enjoy your couple of years as a head coach. But they're going to come for your head, sir. See, Laz, what were right. we going to say? No, nah, so all right. So here's how I see it. Jay, you said you didn't know if he could bring uh, free agents I think Los Angeles brings free agents, and I think agents will push their players to go play in L.A. now that they don't have to compete with Kobe for shots. I love Kobe. I've been a Kobe guy. But I know if I'm an agent and I have to have a player on my roster produce certain levels to get that money, um, put up certain statistics, you're not sending them out to play with Kobe. But when you talk about marketing, endorsements, and playing for one of the best franchises ever in the league, I think they will. I think we will see more improvement for the young guys because they won't have to play in Kobe's shadow and they can develop some cohesion. So I expect them to make vast improvements from year one to year two. They'll have a good draft pick and they'll have a good young core. They mm. just won't have the depth or the experience to do anything like playoff wise. But I expect to see them take that step in the right direction this year. 
Well, my man Magic Johnson already on Twitter blowing it up, talking about they need to sign Kevin Durant. Um, I don't think KD's coming to L.A., but go ahead, Magic. Do what you do, buddy. <laughs> the Let me tell you something. For the past 20 years, okay, L.A. has been like the Black Plague of cities. And it's kind of weird because everybody wants to go to L.A. But last year when they're courting LaMarcus Aldridge, and he goes into two meetings with them and winds up on the riverfront in San Antonio. <laughs> that says something about what's going on in L.A. I, oh, I've always said this, okay? I've always said that Kobe is a bad teammate. And all the marquee free agents that were out there over the past several years did not come to L.A. And I think I know why but I'm not going to say it because Lakers fans <laughs> already know why. So you're right. <laughs> They're about to start flocking to L.A. because the black plague of death has been lifted from the Staples Center. So congrats, oh, man. Go. You're going to get some good players. I wouldn't go that far. I think it's still dysfunctional as long as Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss are involved. So, you know, there's still hope for it to tank. But <laughs> well, at least, you're a, at least you're a realist, man. I appreciate yeah, I, you being a realist. <clears throat> anytime, anytime. But like John, we are going to remember, right? That, uh, and we wanted to talk about this anyway. But like Chris Paul did sign with the Lakers, or at least try to. So it's not like they haven't got top-notch free agents, and some of them Spurs championships got to have an asterisk bomb for the years that Chris Paul should have been a Laker, right? I mean, we're just going to go ahead and conclude that. Well, Chris Paul probably was going to sign. And I think it was kind of a Suge Knight move by the Lakers. <laughs> okay. Um, Suge Knight, be, you know, they he strong arms people. And and the Lakers tried to strong arm the league. When you look on the trade, on the at that trade, quote unquote, on its face, there's no way. There's no way that trade was even. So the league in its uh all of its glory decided to make sure that that trade didn't go through. So, you know, as a person who does not like the Lakers, I didn't want to see Chris Paul play for them, especially given the pieces that were involved in that trade. So there's no asterisk. Championships are ships, man. <laughs> rings are rings. There's not no strike shortened season. They just didn't get Chris Paul, period. He's defending all the Spurs championships. John, I love the fact that you were able to quote uh, the Apostle Paul and Suge Knight back to back. I just think uh, <laughs> the ability to do that is amazing. So uh, hey, That's how I roll, man. That's how I roll. All right. So what we got next, man, here's where we're going to go. We want to talk about the NBA, obviously. But we want to don't we want to move into some of our postseason uh, awards and and they're not really all the normal awards that you hear. You know the MVP award, defensive player of the year award. We want to do something a little bit unconventional for the boxing one awards. So the first award that we have up isn't the MVP. We want to ask who is the best player in the world, in the entire universe. When you think of the best player in the universe, who is that person? All right. So let's say. Let's put some parameters around it and say if you could pick one player <clears throat> to be on your playoff roster this year, 
who would be the most important player to you out of everybody? You could pick anybody and put them on your, your favorite team on their playoff roster, irregardless of position, regardless of position, irregardless really in the word. But um, who are you going with? Best player in the world right now. I'm going to go with LeBron James. I know LeBron that. James. LeBron, LeBron James. Man, LeBron James, if I had to build a player, like, from from scratch from the ground up if i was playing like my son likes minecraft or something like that if i had to like build a player it would be lebron james now granted lebron james has some things that really hold him back as a player i'm not sure if he has a killer instinct per se um but he has the build of a player who is just dominant. He's Magic Johnson in the body of a doggone NFL tight end. And the way he plays basketball, how cerebral he is, I would have to say that LeBron is the best player in the world right now. Like, hands down. LeBron is... <laughs> LeBron is John Stockton's passing ability with Carl Malone's physique and Greg Oden's facial features. Oh, no. There it is. There's the <laughs> That's true, man. That's true. Yeah, Who do you guys think? Who do you got? You got LeBron, too? See, this is the thing. I love Steph. I just I have to watch more than the sports and the highlights to see how much he contributes on defense. I was really surprised when I was going through the stats and I saw that he was the league leader in steals this year and also in another some type of maybe it was deflections, defensive category. I was surprised at how much um, he improved on defense. So um, I think I do. I think if I had to pick one right now, like I might I might go step as best player in the world right now. Wow. But I could be talked out of it. It's not like concrete to me. So I don't hold that conviction tightly. I'm not Martin Luther at the Diet of Worms right now. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> We're going to get, go. get, get you right then. So, I got to go LeBron. I have to go LeBron. Like, he's the most unstoppable force in basketball. I think Curry's the best offensive player in the world, but I think LeBron is the best player in the world. There, how, right. many players in the, how many players in the league can guard all five positions? Name them. Right. LeBron and many? maybe Draymond Green. Period. But how many people would – and I like LeBron. I don't love LeBron. I like LeBron. How many people with LeBron's physique can't post up J.J. Beret in the finals? Well, that's – see, that goes back to Killer Instinct, right? But that's part of it, though. Uh, yes, it is. You're right about that. But if he didn't have any championships, I would say that he probably is not because you saw it in him sometimes. I mean, when he was playing in the playoffs, was it against Detroit? Like, the end of that game was, like, zoning. And Boston? This one, he was with the Cavs who had a whole bunch of nobodies, like nuns. On you don't got team. no love for Larry Hughes? Bum. <laughs> Sorry, Larry Hughes, if you're listening. But um, <laughs> that was not the Larry Hughes that was in Washington, D.C. I'm sorry. I got you. I understand what you're saying. So, so we got two for LeBron, one for Steph Curry. 
Does anybody else get mentioned? Does your boy Kawhi get mentioned at all? Kawhi Leonard? Yeah. He gets mentioned. Um, but I guess, you know, it's it's tough because he's just kind of coming into his own. But is he the best two-way player in the world right now? Two-way? Yes. Tell me that people don't have nightmares about him. So has he surpassed LeBron as the best two-way player in the league? Probably so. I mean, how are we not saying that he's better than LeBron? Because LeBron is a better one-way player. Like the offensive side, Kawhi is picking up. Okay, his his three-point percentage has gone up like nine point nine percentage points. He's picking up on offense, but because of San San Antonio's offensive game, he's not going to give you thirty-five. He's not going to give you thirty-eight points. On any given night, he might give you 25, and even with Aldridge in the, in the fold now. So, when you talk about his offensive game, it's there, but he's he's still developing it. Like right. LeBron can give you 40, period. Like he might have 40 tonight as we're talking. <laughs> so, what do we think? I mean, are we of the agreement that like 27 year old LeBron would give 31 year old LeBron work, though, right? Complete oh, work. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But he's still got MJ, like a year or two of being the best right now. I mean, MJ, he's still in that prime zone. You know, MJ kind of recreated himself and made himself the greatest in a different type of way that just wasn't all physical skill towards the end of his career. Can y'all see that happening with LeBron where he figures out a way to be the best player when when his physical dominance when his physical dominance starts to diminish? I don't know. Um, Jordan, Jordan's fadeaway uh, was trademarked, and apparently there was an infringement by another player. Um, <laughs> but I'm not sure that that LeBron can develop something like that um, as a big player. Like he's used to driving, using his body to do things like that, but to develop a new game where you're shooting jumpers, fadeaways, um, things like that, I, I'm not sure if he'll be able to, to, de- to develop that. Well, I'm going to throw this at you. I don't think he'll do it simply because, as you refer to the killer instinct, I think players like MJ, Kobe, those guys, like they live, sleep, eat, breathe basketball. Like they had killer in them. They just wanted to win. I think LeBron is all about making money, mm. living off his brand. He's, you know, they talking about he's gonna be in Space Jam too. Um, well, who was I in Space he, Jam one? Who had a brand with Nike? Don't I, I know? But Mike was on a whole different level. Like I just think LeBron is not on that level. I think he's more concerned about I'm making money for the long term. I know I'm in this game for the short term, and I don't think he really wants to spend that amount of time and that that kind of dedication to say at 34. I'm going to reinvent myself. I just don't wow. see him doing it. Wow. Do you guys remember? Hold on. Do you, like, maybe, so maybe we're saying LeBron's killer instinct is in the business world. But do you guys remember when Jordan was retired and he came to Bulls practice anyway just to play Corey Benjamin one-on-one? Like, yeah. I mean. LeBron's never doing that. Yeah. No. You're right. You're right. No, I, I agree. I think and I mentioned like he, I don't think he has the killer instinct. He just has the killer everything else <laughs> that makes you upset with them. Because if he became that person, like 
it would be unstoppable like in right. terms of the number of rings he can win and just being able to make he makes everybody else around him better already because he passes more than Jordan did, um, I would say. But, no, I still think he's the best player in the world. Can we talk about the coach of the year? Because I think we might have a couple of different opinions on this. Because he's going to say, I know somebody's going to say Luke slash Kerr. No, I don't think you're going to get that tonight. Oh, really? Nope. No, I'm not gonna so. get any any quasi homerism with the new Lakers coach. I think it's got to be Portland's coach, and I think it's got to be Portland's coach hands down. What? How not? Uh, I don't know. I'd go that far. What? Who did more with losing less? Like who? Like tell me, they lost four starters, and they made the playoffs as the fifth seed. What's your criteria? That's what I need to know first. They lost more their with whole less. Team. They yes, more with less. They lost, they lost their whole starting five except for their all-star point guard or point guard that should have been an all-star. And then after that, they came out, expectations for the team were low, and they came in and they were able to make the playoffs. And, I mean, they had a couple fortunate breaks their way, literally, with Chris Paul going out. But now they're in the second round of the playoffs. So who's done more with less? They beat a rec league team in the playoffs. <laughs> But they made the playoffs <laughs> to beat the rec league team. Okay. So you're going to go, go there. You're going to go with Portland's there. coach. I do nope. notice that you didn't name him by name. Right. I know his name, but I mess it up sometimes. See, there you go. He's a bum. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do coach of year candidates. If you don't know his name, he's a bum. So I read nah, he did a great job, though. Then. I agree. I'm throwing out Brad Stevens. If you're going to use that does more with less, like, you got a five foot nine point guard who most people think should come off the bench. And who who does Boston really have? Like they don't they don't really have anybody either. So for the fact that you know they they played pretty well, and I think Brad Stevens has got something going. I'm gonna have to go Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens? Yep. Come on, man. Wasn't he in college? Wasn't he in college a couple years ago? He was. Did they win a playoff series? We talking about coach of the year. We ain't talking about playoffs. Let me <laughs> practice. <laughs> Let me ask y'all one question. Okay. Go for it. Do you know which head coach in the league only <laughs> lost one game on his home floor this year? We yes, all know we where you were going. Huh? Yeah, we yeah. were just waiting for you to say it. But that was yeah. a clever intro to that. What happened? That was a clever intro. Wait, to wait, wait. Y'all didn't answer my question. Oh, yes, we already know. Oh, we talking about Pop. Now, let me tell you what why I feel like he's the coach of the year, okay? I'm listening. Because um, there are at least eight other guys in the league who owe their, their career and their paychecks to Greg Popovich as head coaches. And then the Lakers also just considered another one of his assistants to be a head coach. So... Not only is Pop still doing it at a high level, and the the Spurs have had a, the best season they've ever had in franchise history this year, but he's producing other coaches that take care of y'all's horrible teams. So you're welcome, and just give the man, <laughs> give the man the hardware because Pop still does what Pop does which is coaches championship basketball. 
And yes, I, I, that is a that is a homer pick, but it's a legit one. If you look at what they've done this year with the team that we have having the best season in franchise history, that's what I'm talking about. So you could almost say yeah. your pick is he's done more with most because he's got the <laughs> most talent of any roster. The most talent. We we have the oldest team in the NBA. The oldest. Two, yeah, the two oldest players. Tricky, listen, no, 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 no. Time out. The two oldest players in the league reside on one roster. They're both forty. Right, but that makes it tricky when you do the math and you get the median age, and those players don't have to. They don't have to carry the brunt of the load because you got two young all stars. Every team in the league has two young all stars. <laughs> no, the, the, Knicks, the Knicks do not. They don't. The they're not do a not. team. <laughs> just Carmelo Anthony and his boys. That's what I'm saying, man. Just Carmelo and the crew. Just that's all we're gonna call him, Carmelo and the crew. So um we got three different choices. Wow. Okay. So we got Brad Stevens, we got Greg Popovich, and we got him who shall not be named, aka Terry Stotts. Um who is the coach of the Blazers? Apparently, Chris likes uh, less with more. He's a um, Jesus in the wilderness feeding 5,000 type of guy. So <laughs> Yes, there it is. That's how C-Lash rolls. All right, man, let's go to one of my favorite awards, okay? This is Mr. Paycheck, okay? Mr. Paycheck, a.k.a. Mr. Bank Robber, a.k.a. He's getting those checks a la Jalen Rose. Who is the one player in the league that you see on the NBA roster and you say, wow, he's getting paid millions to be a bum? Every once in a while, you just see some players and you're like, man, that guy is still in the NBA. Um, I had that. I, I saw Rodney Stuckey the other day. I was like, wait a minute. Wasn't he on all those Pistons teams that were battling the Lakers back in the day and battling the Spurs? But he still is productive. Last year, I think it would have had to been Brendan Haywood. I had no idea he was still in the league. But, John, who you got? You start us off with this one. Man, first of all, I saw Brendan Haywood on SportsCenter today. They talking about, hey, welcome NBA champion Brendan Haywood. What? <laughs> what? He was on that Mavericks team. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He, he, I don't care. He deserved no, no title. Of no NBA champion. He just needs to be Brendan Haywood. Welcome him to the show. But isn't that like the doctrine of union with Christ? Like, all you got to do is be united to it. Like, you don't have to do the work. Like, Christ does the work. I think that's the. For salvation, that's great. In terms of you having pulled to say anything on a show in the league, I'm sorry. There's no union with anything, no union with Dirk. Okay? Dirk won that title. Brendan Haywood was a spectator. So my person for Mr. Paycheck is one of the Steve Nash All-Stars, Joe Johnson. You know why I call him a Steve Nash All-Star? Because Steve Nash said, I can't retire because I need to get this check. Man, Steve Nash, no. Steve Nash made his career. Every player that played with Steve Nash needs to give him a retirement fund, okay? 
Because Joe Johnson, when he was playing in Phoenix, left Phoenix to get a max deal because Steve Nash was getting him wide open shots to shoot threes. Obviously, he became an all-star in Atlanta, but now Joe Johnson is making 20 plus million dollars a year. He was in Brooklyn, now in Miami, to be a role player. The second highest paid player in the league. He he has robbed a bank. And he continues to rob the bank. So my my nominee would be Joe Johnson. And I'm not sure if you're gonna beat that. <coughs> what about his what about Nash's other teammate, Stoudemire? Yeah, he's part of he's part of that squad too. He all alley oops. Seventy. Remember field. when you used to couldn't watch Sports Center without Stoudemire being on it, and now he's still in the league getting checks. He was shooting like seventy percent. Why? Because Steve Nash. Lob lob lob. He was DeAndre Jordan before DeAndre Jordan. Exactly. I got one for you. Now he may have taken a pay cut now, but Darren Williams, when he was in Brooklyn, he was still Oof. in checks too. Oof. <laughs> Brooklyn just likes giving people checks. Yeah. Right. I saw Darren Williams in Dallas in the playoffs in the first round. Man, I felt so bad. Like, right. what happened to you, cuz? He used to, we used to have legit arguments. Deron Williams or Chris Paul. And not now even, they, they having to put Raymond Felton in the game for meaningful minutes. Not even the conversation. My body shape. I know. Isn't that crazy? Darren Williams used to be a beast in Utah. That's a great yep. pick, Jay Hart. That's great. So we got Stucky. We got Williams. We got Joe Johnson. We got no, Stucky ain't on that list. He, he produces. What? He produces. He's earning his paycheck. Compared I to those other guys, mm-mm. he's a value player compared to the other people on that list. Take him out of consideration. <laughs> it's either got to be Joe Johnson or Deron Williams. Well, I'm going to have to go with the $24 million man or $22 million man, whatever he was making or is making. That's just ridiculous for Joe Johnson. So, Steve Nash, if you're out there, man, collect some pension from these dudes. They owe you a ton of money. So, so uh Jay Hart had one more award because I think that a lot of people think that Steph Curry is going to be the MVP this year. So so we want to know who is the best player in the league not named Steph. Best season because we've already said LeBron's the yeah. best in the league. So. In terms of season performance. Jay, who you got? Since it's your award, you start us off. Uh, uh, you know who I'm going with? I'm going with the wild man. Russell Westbrook. No! I got to go with the wild man. He may not be efficient, but he puts in work. He puts in work. And Mm. I think in any other year when Steph Curry doesn't lead the league in scoring, Westbrook with all those triple doubles, you're like, man, this guy's having a historic season. But um, he kind of gets pushed to the side. And the fact that they're getting blown out by 40 by the Spurs in the first round or in the first game of the semifinals is not. Um, helping his cause, but I I gotta go with Westbrook. I think honestly, like if this was a real award, I think he still would have got bumped just because of the overall season that the Spurs had, and how good Leonard is on defense, and how he would have split votes with Durant anyway. So I think I think it still would have been Leonard was the best player not named Steph in the NBA this year. So now hold on, hold, hold on, 
Have we turned this into the Spurs Homer podcast? <laughs> no. Nah. Is that what this has become? I said Jay. nothing. I have said not Jay. one thing yet. Jay, I would rather watch Westbrook play 10 times than watch Leonard play once. I'm just wow. saying, like, if, if sports writers, not, that's not a knock on Leonard, man. He's just very methodical about what he does. And Westbrook's exciting, man. Like, like I, if I had a ticket, I'm going to watch Westbrook. But man, I, think, I like I like that man because excitement always brings rings. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we all we all parents here. I'm just saying, like, if you wanted to just not with an allegiance to a team, you just wanted to see an exciting game. We're going to see Westbrook, right? He's no. the best athlete in the NBA. We give him no. that. No, if I'm best grooming my NBA? if I'm grooming my son right now. To watch anybody play basketball. See, I, I don't like when these young AAU cats come out there and thinking that they Russell Westbrook and they don't understand basketball. Like, take me, give me somebody with IQ that's off the charts, and I can give you some championships. So I'm taking my son to the Riverwalk, buddy. I'm taking them to the Silver and Black to check out some good basketball. Jay Hartman, you coach your son on the AAU team. If you can't take him to see Steph, where are you taking him? As much as it might pain me to say this, we might have to go to San Antonio. <laughs> Man, we have just made this the Homer podcast. No, no, yeah. no I refuse. <laughs> and I say that, look, look, and I say that from a standpoint of a guy who loves basketball and who fundamentally thinks the game should be played a, cer- played a certain way. If I'm taking my son's AAU team to watch a game and they all want to see Steph Curry, they all want to see KD and Westbrook. But if I'm taking them to watch a game where it's like basketball, like this is how it's supposed to be played on both ends. I mean, where else do you go but San Antonio? All right. So what about if we're taking our wives on a date and we're not going as to like basketball instructors or feeling like we need to impart some type of basketball knowledge? You're just going for a great experience i'm going to the circus <laughs> <laughs> oh so what you're telling me is you're going to a sixers game that's what you're telling me. <laughs> oh, exactly <boy>. exactly <laughs> man i don't i'm not taking my wife to entertain her like i probably will be talking x's and o's with my wife like did you just see that they passed the ball six times in five seconds <laughs> is she a basketball junkie too? She likes basketball. She doesn't love it, but she can watch it with me. Got you. Yeah. So Jeremy's wife actually played Division One and was on a team that went twenty-eight zero. Whoa! Really? <coughs> yeah. Then they wow. ran into the Tennessee Volunteers in the NCAA tournament, and that's kind oh, of yeah. where the story starts. That's that's all you gotta yeah, say. That was a wrap then. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was it Shamika Holdclaw's Tennessee Volunteers? Yes. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ouch. That's all you yeah. gotta say right there. Now yeah. when we talk we might need to talk about best female player of all time. And I got a couple of candidates and she's one of them. We can do that at a later date for sure. I, I think that uh C Last had something for us in terms of uh building a team. Right. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. So say 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 you were the franchise or like you ran the franchise for Carmelo and the boys and you just had to start 
you had to start from scratch. I'm curious to y'all's take. Um, you get to pick two, like a pair of all stars to start your franchise with. Which pair are you going with? Which pair of all stars would you take to start a franchise with right now? Well, I'll tell you who I don't <laughs> want to first start a franchise with. And that'll be KD and Westbrook. I knew you was going to say that. How do you know that? <laughs> I could, because like the way you phrased the question, it could only be one answer. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way that I'm starting a squad with a relationship that just seems so awkward, man. Like they don't say it, but I really indeed think that they don't like each other. Like, KD thinks he's a ball hog, and Westbrook thinks he's the best player on his team when he's not. So when that dynamic is present and both players don't really say anything about it, it just is awkward. I don't want them. I don't want that pair. Now, it's going to be between Steph and Clay and Kawhi and LaMarcus, and I'm probably going to go, and you'll be surprised by this, I'm probably going to go with Steph and Clay. I'm probably going to go with those two um, only because I think LaMarcus Aldridge is a great ball player. But if I'm building a franchise, these two guys are younger and I'm going to get more time out of them in terms of years in service. Mm-hmm. And I can build a team around them. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge is on his maybe second contract, maybe third um, so he doesn't have too much time left, but those two guys are, are very young. So I'm going to go with the Splash Brothers, and it's not because they light-skinned, okay? <laughs> I don't discriminate. <laughs> I mean, do you think that that Westbrook uh, relationship is awkward because, like, he doesn't know that KD doesn't like him? <laughs> like, the rest is like, yo, what is this dude doing? He or do you think... <laughs> I mean, is it just awkward because of that? Like, there's just a little bit of self-unawareness on Wessel Westbrook's behalf that makes just, probably oh, every relationship he's in a little bit awkward. Oh, I, I don't think he's oblivious. I just think he doesn't care. Like, I think he's like, that dude knows I don't like him, but, like, why is he acting like this? Like, I don't care that he knows that I don't like him. Do you think it starts when he sees him walking into the arena with those wardrobes on, that that's where the frustration starts with KD? Like, he just looks over and sees what Westbrook has wore to the arena, and he's just like, yo, I can't. I can't today, not with you. I mean, they, they both, like... both kind of got some interesting wardrobes. So they are, they are next of kin in that regard. Well, most, <laughs> most of these guys have interesting wardrobes. That's another story. Yeah, but, I think um, I'm going Clay and Steph just because three is worth more than two. That's the worst right. reason ever. No, you only got to shoot 37%. From the field, if you shoot threes compared to fifty percent, it's like shooting fifty percent from the two. You're that dude then. Analytics, <laughs> call me Brad Stevens Jr. So, so last night I was in the rec league game, and the team we played shot all threes. They were in the C last school of building teams. There it is. Like they no layups, we beat them by thirty. How about that? Well, I mean, all things being equal, you know what I'm saying, like. <laughs> If the team is trash, I can't account for that. Get him up off of You a rec league all star. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Done with the NBA talk. Let's uh, let's talk about something a little bit more uh, sobering. Um, I know you wanted to chat about transitions 
and and just talk about uh, personal transitions. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit, a little bit more? Yeah. So um, Jay and I, uh, we're kind of in our city. We kind of had dreams. We always knew we would be around sports and culture. Like that was just our thing growing up. We both became Christians right after college, shortly thereafter, and then it became like wanted to do something with Christ sports culture. Like those are things we were passionate about. And now, like, you know, we're married, we have kids, and we're just trying to figure out how to live into our passions. And, like, um, so we're, we're kind of transitioning in our job world, maybe out of what we've been doing, trying to, like, provide for our families, be big, good biblical stewards, but also just um, <clears throat> live into what we feel like God made us to do. And at times that road can be discouraged. And we've kind of come up with this saying for 2016, why not us? Like, there's a God, Ephesians 3.20, you know, who can do exceedingly more than we can ask or think. We believe um, <clears throat> that we can ask him, you know, like, Lord, in that same Ephesians book, you said you made us for good works you created beforehand. Help us to live into that. Help us to trust you, to put mm-hmm. us in positions to live for what you made us to do. And um, But that road sometimes can be super frustrating and having all these dreams and just waiting on God's time and like just the um, balance between praying, trusting the Lord, making moves, um, getting godly wisdom, all of those things, it could just feel overwhelming. And I know one of the things that was encouraging to me was a post you wrote on Facebook a while back. And I was hoping you could share that with whoever might be checking out the podcast. Mm, Yeah. So I kind of went through a similar period in my life where transition was something that I was just a little bit afraid of, per se. I um, have a legal background, so I I practiced law for about eight years um, before transitioning into ministry full time. And I wrestled with that for a very long time because initially when I attended seminary, I was thinking that I could be very Pauline in my approach to ministry. I have my tent making business, which is practicing law during the day, and then do ministry um, in that extra time. But the frustration was that I felt like I was called to full time ministry. But the way my checking account was set up. It just did not that it it would not make sense to me from a financial perspective. Um, just being candid and honest, because I had a wife, child to take care of, and we were kind of used to a certain standard um, in terms of living. So, you know, I spent a, a big season just praying about it. You know, telling crying out to God, telling Him the desires that I had and just saying, you know, we want to ultimately trust you um, with where we feel like the direction that you're taking us in. So um, a short time after that, I actually got called about a position and it was um, definitely going to be a leap of faith for us, for me to leave the firm that I was practicing with. But both of us just felt like it was the direction that God was taking us in. And I was moving from being that tent maker slash ministry person to to doing ministry full time. And we, you know, took that leap of faith and 
it's crazy because as soon as I got the position, my wife, who had not been working, got another position here in the area that we moved in, and it helped to compensate for the salary that I lost. So when you know, scripture talks about everything working together for our good, like whenever we absolutely just stepped out on faith and said, okay, this is where God is taking us. This is the ministry that he has for you now. Um, and this is what we're going to do. And here's the crazy part about it. A couple of years later, I left that position. And I was in another season of like, oh, my goodness, did I did I not hear from God? Because I thought this is going to be like this long term deal. And then um, God opened up another ministry position for me that um, allowed me to stay in that lane. I actually went back to practicing for like three months, just thinking through like, oh, I just went back to tent making <laughs> again. <laughs> when I felt like I heard clearly from God. And then, you know, here I am back in ministry. And it was just a short time to where, you know, just, just again, seeking God, thinking through it and knowing that all those relationships I built um, at the previous job, which was at a, it was actually at a publishing house. So it was quasi ministry, but now I'm actually working at a church. So it was sort of like a great step in the direction of doing ministry full time. So I would say just be encouraged, man, even if, so, you know, in Acts where Paul has this dream and this guy tells him to come over to Macedonia and soon as he hits the shore, it's not a dude. It's a woman. It's Lydia. And he's like, my dream was a dude. <coughs> but I'm still in Macedonia and there's ministry to do here. And the person that you sent me to isn't a dude is Lydia. And. God birthed an entire ministry there, um, not based specifically on that dream, because when he starts thinking about the specifics, Paul could have walked right by that Bible study on the shore and not encountered Lydia there. But he trusted God, even not knowing every step. Now that's what's up, man. So that is I mean, I think that's encouraging. So I think that's kind of where um Jay and I are right now in that season of life. Mm. Mm. It's good, man. All right. So you had mentioned um, you you had caught part of the uh, president's speech, right? Yes. The White House Correspondents Dinner, which is always president has jokes. He did the mic drop and he said Obama out like he was Kobe Bean Bryant. It was great. Not Tim Duncan. <laughs> But the other thing that was crazy and I've seen in my newsfeed is like Larry Wilmore, who's a late night TV host, I suppose, um, was actually doing a speech before Obama. And he got up and he said, yo, Barry, this is at the end of his speech. He said, yo, Barry, you did it, my B N word. <coughs> and I'm like, what? Did you just say the N word in front of millions of people and a bunch of white people? Like, <laughs> so that brings up kind of this Romans 13 conversation, right? Um, being able to respect those who are in authority over us. Was that disrespectful of him? And then two, like culturally, is that a faux pas? Um, I definitely think 
culturally, especially the state that we're in now in this country, um, <laughs> you just can't drop that on the president. Like you just can't do that because there's so many points of confusion now regarding race in our country. And, you know, I even hear dealing with the kids that I, I deal with, you know, now, like where white kids are like, well, we can say the N word because I'm cool with black people and I grew up with them. Um, so there's so much confusion um, just regarding the use of that word uh, and to drop it on, you know, technically the most powerful man in the free world, like in front of all these people, like, I think that's a definite faux pas. I think it sends the wrong message um, to people. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sheesh, man, like, I don't even know where to begin. Like, my mouth dropped when you even mentioned it. Like, he really said that. Um, so, and, you know, this is coming from a, a guy who's biracial and who throughout my life struggled, like, with any kind of acceptance from, you know, both sides, like, from the white side and the black side. Hmm. Um, and even that word, I don't use, um, even though my mother calls me that from time to time. But, um, <laughs> Jay, I, you can't I, put I your mom on blast on the podcast. <laughs> right. You can't call moms Man. out on the podcast. I love my mother, but like I know when she's mad when she calls me that. Um, but I, you know, I just <laughs> his mom is I, I good people. I know her. I don't think that that's a term of respect that you can use, and I know it's all jokes and it's all fun, and mm-hmm. um, but I also think there's a respect for authority that you know you just don't cross that line. Mm. Mm. Yeah, for me, I feel like um, language is the nuanced thing, and sometimes word means. Words mean what you mean them to say. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. there are things like when people, like, I hear people say it, and like, I know they don't mean anything offensive by it. It's just like part of what they say and how they communicate. But at the same time, like, I don't think, um, <clears throat> I think just because the word is so explosive itself, like, wisdom would just say, like, wouldn't we all just be better off if that wasn't part of our vocabularies? You know what I'm saying? Mm. And then trying to distinguish, like, well, who can yeah. say it with an A and who can say it with an E-R <coughs> and then just having all that. So, mm. uh, yeah, um, so, you know, so, Fanatic, he just wrote a book about this called Navigating the N-Word, which I got a whole list of books that I'm hoping to check out soon. And But that's definitely on it. I'd love to see what he came up with in regards to that. I wish I already had it, but... um the way my banking account is set up, <laughs> not doing tent making right now. So, no, I'm I got you, man. My big issue was that um, sometimes things like this give people the freedom to say stuff that they don't necessarily know is offensive. So even even mm. during that dinner, uh, Obama was like, um, "Sorry for being late. I was on CPT." <laughs> but you color people time, obviously. Uh, and and the Hold on, did he say that for real? Absolutely, he said it. Without a doubt, he said it. So they started laughing, and he was like, <laughs> by the way, for the white people in the room, you can't say that. <laughs> and it was kind of like uh, it, it was kind of like shade towards Hillary Clinton because she <laughs> did it at a dinner like earlier this year or sometime last year. She she made a CPT joke. I don't know what's going on with Hillary, man. I heard she had hot sauce in her bag. I like Beyonce. Like she's trying to get the African American vote, but she's thinking it's okay, which is why 
I had problems with what Larry Wilmore said because then people think it's okay to use right. that stuff, right? So that was my hey, issue. If y'all ain't voting for her, would y'all still have taken the hot sauce? Man, you not. I'm not gonna <laughs> tell you who I'm voting for. I'm just. Saying, I'm trying to man. make America better. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. That was a joke. Oh, I was just gonna say on a serious note. Um, and Chris, you can attest to this because you know you were part of uh, Community Fellowship Church for a while, and you know sometimes there are some folks there that even though we love them, they get on that political tangent, um, you know, and everybody kind of gets mad at me because I'm not going to stand there and talk politics with you um, just because I feel like, you know, God has a plan. I feel like it has always been my duty to pray for those folks who are running and that um, the Lord will put in place the person that he wants in place. So, you know, and I, I feel like sometimes that gets lost, like, you know, Christians, especially, like, they'd be ready to fight over political allegiances. And I'm like, is it really that serious? Like, shouldn't we just be praying for the leaders of our country regardless? Um, so, you know, and I, I think Obama went gangster. He, he trying to go out with a, you know, in a blaze of glory, like Tupac and Juice, like, made it, my top of the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, I do think, like, there's a level of respect that even in those situations, like I, I just think that's lost now in today's generation. Like we need to be praying for our leaders and it's all in jest, but um, I think there is some, some mm. undertones of, of things that are going on. Mm. John, Jeremy, I would say like for me, I grew up in a house that wasn't very political at all. And so one of the things where the gospel had to speak to me was like, Hey, you probably need to be more involved. Like if you need to be like when Peter says, like, even though we're to be like aliens, we're to be like good citizens in that country. That means like I need to take my responsibilities there seriously. But definitely like it's grieving to me to say, like, I think the reason as like evangelicals, we may get so wrapped up in politics is we've lost hope in the gospel. And so we're looking for a different answer. And so we put all our eggs in a basket that isn't like the power of the gospel coming in and changing hearts. Like, hey, we've kind of given up on that. So now our only hope is to change like America through policy. And I feel like that that's grieving to the Lord that like the church has lost hope that like there's still a God who like when you call out to him, like he comes and he interacts in time and space and he answers prayer and he changes nations. And so we only look to um, political figures as Messiah now. So that's that's where I get wrapped up. And um. On the flip side of that, just like the lack of respect, if your Messiah doesn't get chosen, you know, um, mm. now we have names for the president. And we just throw out, Jeremy, just like you said, um, Paul's exhortation to Timothy to exhort the church in Ephesus, like pray for your leaders. Like we can't pray for them and slander them at the same time. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right. So we're going to close. I'm going to give you two words and you pick one of those words. OK. Got it. Lightning round. C-Lass, J-Hart. Ready to go? Grits or oatmeal? Grits. Oh. Neither. <sighs> Fitted or snapback? Fitted. Fitted. Orange Gatorade or red Gatorade? Orange. Red. Red. Peter or Paul? Paul. Oh, Peter. 
<laughs> All right, here, here's the here's the here's the kicker. Keller or Piper? Piper. Piper. Both Piper, huh? I love Keller though, man. Yeah. Please don't take that as disrespect, Dr. Keller. No, that is disrespectful, man. Yeah. You ain't put no respect on Keller's name. <laughs> hey, put some you you need to put some respect on that. He's gonna come in the studio next week, man. Just to be clear, like I probably would listen to a Piper sermon first and read a Keller book, just to be honest. So. Oh, okay. That's how it would probably go. I got you. I got you. So you're saying that Keller can't preach. Um, but I did listen to uh, a Keller sermon on um, work last week. So oh, did you? I did. His rise sermon? Yes. Got you. Got you. All right, man. So I think that that pretty much concludes episode three of our podcast. I want to thank C. Lass and Jay Hart for joining me for this episode. Uh, we'll be back next week for episode four, and I'm still trying to convert both of these people to Spurs fans. Never. In the Gotta be a work of the spirit. They'll be in the silver yeah. and black in no time. <laughs> Alright, guys, we'll catch y'all next week on the Boxing One podcast. Peace out. Deuces. <laughs>